At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 429th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is minimizing food waste and improving soils through growing fungi. We're talking with Tom Tuodi about growing mushrooms at home. Tom practices permaculture at home, or as he calls it, the homestead in Mesa, Arizona. He has been doing urban agriculture for eight years, but before he ever stuck a shovel in the ground, he became interested in mushrooms and how they can be used to mitigate food waste and improve soils. He now manages edible landscape projects in the greater Phoenix area and is developing an at-home mushroom kit so people can grow their own. Welcome to the show today, Tom. Are you ready to rock fungi? Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here, Greg. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? I became interested in permaculture and landscaping in college after I took an environmental ethics class and I met a group of friends who just just liked sitting around and talking about about remediation and recycling. And I became interested in mushrooms specifically when I was talking to a friend of mine. We knew that mushrooms had were being used to recycle things like plastics, were being used to improve soils and we knew that they had a massive biological efficiency. And bi- biological efficiency means that from one pound of dry substrate, whatever you're growing on, you get one pound of fresh mushrooms. Whoa. There's a one-to-one conversion? Right. Well, and that's about the average. A casual grower can expect 75 to 125% efficiency. And some, in exceptional cases, experienced growers can get up to 250% efficiency. So two and a half pounds of fresh mushrooms for a pound of dry substrate. How does that happen? Well, mycelium is really good at breaking down uh, those materials. It finds uh, all the starches. It takes the cellulose from plant matter and it breaks it down into sugars. And in that process, it forms uh, fruits, fruit, fruiting bodies mm-hmm. that pe- can be harvested for food. Wow. And actually, in February of this year, the World Resources Institute released a study that said if 30% of hamburgers, of hamburger beef were replaced with mushrooms, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference in taste. But it would save as many emissions as taking 2.3 million cars off the road just because of how much less 
emissions are produced in the process of growing mushrooms compared to growing beef. Mm-hmm. So my friend and I started talking about about all these things, and we realized very quickly we we didn't really know what we were talking about. We knew that there there was some difference between mushrooms and mycelium. We we had heard that the proper word was uh, spores and not seeds, for example. Mm-hmm. We, but we really didn't know what we were talking about. And I'm the sort of person that uh, if I find myself talking about something that I don't, I don't really know that much about, my first instinct is to really dive into it. And so that's what really got me started on this journey. So you got interested in mushrooms and you really dove in to check them out. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. So what is the difference? You kind of alluded to it a moment ago, yeah. the difference between mushrooms and mycelium. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that's a very, that's a very common misunderstanding. Mycelium is the vegetable part of a mushroom, like the tree of the apple tree is to the apple. So the mushroom is the fruit and the mycelium is the vegetative part. Oh, interesting. The fruits usually pop up just long enough to drop their spores and then rot away. So most people don't see them and lots of people don't know they have uh, either in their garden. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. A lot of people I see will be worried that they have fungus in their soil, right? And they think that they think that something is wrong. Yep. Uh, but actually, the mycelium is a really good sign and and improves the soil quality a lot. Yeah, I get that question a lot from people. So they'll send me a picture of mushrooms growing in their yard and say, "Oh my God, how do I kill them?" And it's like, "No, you don't want to do that. You want to keep them." Right. Right. So how does mycelium improve soils? Uh, well, it literally and figuratively holds the soil together. Uh, tilling really disturbs the process, but if you take a shovel to no-till to a no-till garden, which I practice and I know you practice, yep, you'll see mycelium spreading all through the soil, and it re- and it touches all the different points uh, like a web. Mycelium bonds to different elements in the soil minerals in in azomite for example mm-hmm. and to the root structures of to the root structures of plants and uh, there's been a lot of evidence lately that the, that process not only helps plants absorb the nutrients but also helps the, the plants communicate stress and danger to one another so when you're talking plants here are you talking plants other than mycelium oh yeah absolutely tell me about that connection between the two so People might have heard of uh, mycorrhizal fungi. Yep. What's going on there is those are mycelium that are selected to improve the soils and to act as extensions of the plants of the plant's natural root system. So they can help the roots take up moisture and also access a lot of uh, elements that are in the soil that the plants don't have access to naturally because mm-hmm. maybe the, the form isn't right. So it's helping convert it into something that the plant can process. So the mycelium is breaking down the nutrients in the soil so that the plants can uptake them. Yeah, not only that, but it's helping the, but it binds to the roots. So it, it actually will act as an extension. So the roots have, have a longer reach, a deeper reach into the soil. Isn't that cool? I love how nature works like that. Yeah. Uh, another thing, I mean, I think we're in Arizona, the most important reason we need to focus on mycelium and soils is not only accessing those elements and breaking down organic matter, but also locking those nutrients into the soil. You said locking the nutrients into the soil. What does that mean? In Arizona, one of the 
biggest agricultural challenges we have is erosion and desertification. So lots of people don't know, but humans actually cause desertification in areas that are sensitive to it by growing plants and running water through soils that causes, it causes leaching and erosion of those uh, nutrients. Hmm. So Arizona, you, you obviously know this, a lot of your listeners probably know this, but Arizona is great for growing plants, but our soils just don't lock in nutrients very well. Yeah. So when you, when you add fertilizers, you, uh, you get a lot of runoff. A lot of times when people fertilize, a good portion of the fertilizer that they're putting in the soils will never reach the plants because it takes time for the plants to take up those nutrients and they just wash out. Mm-hmm. So mycelium acts as a sponge in the soil and it keeps those nutrients locked into the soil and releases it slowly as, uh, as the plant needs it. Very good. Of course it does. Wow. It's really important if we want to be stewards of our landscape, but we're not just feeding our plants, but we're building the soil with a strong mycelium that can capture and compost all that organic matter that's going on. So you're actually taking compost like we get from our kitchen and you're growing mycelium on them? Right, right. So that was actually a big draw for me when I first, when I first started reading about mushrooms. Uh, I'm a big coffee and tea drinker. So I have a lot of experience throwing away the spent coffee grounds, throwing away the tea, the spent tea leaves. And I knew that they were compostable, but I found out very quickly that all of that, it can be used to grow mushrooms on. So actually now I have a container in my kitchen that every time, every morning I make myself a pot of coffee and instead of throwing my coffee grounds away or putting them directly in the compost. I just dump them in a bucket with some mycelium in it. And as it grows out, I get a few mushrooms. And then when it's spent, I'll add that to my compost and just add another layer in that cycle. Wow. Awesome. And what kind of mushrooms are you growing? I And I'm assuming they're edible. Yeah, yeah. So probably the easiest are Italian or Italian oysters or any type of oyster mushroom, really. They'll break down almost anything. Now, now, mycelium doesn't always fruit on any material, but oyster mushrooms are great if someone wants to get started because they will. the mycelium will still grow even if it won't produce mushrooms. Any type of wood, woody mulch or anything with uh, cellulose, like plant walls, those mycelium are going to break it down. You're going to get very rich white fungus growing through that and eventually break down into that delicious black soil that uh, we're all looking for. Wow. So we can do this at home. How do we build, you know, this mycology in our landscapes? Uh, At my home, in the homestead, uh, we raise chickens and rabbits, and everyone should know how messy they are and how often they need their bedding changed. But But that bedding is great mushroom material, so we take all the bedding, and you can uh, actually do that and colonize it with mushroom mycelium uh, and grow fruits. Uh, right, we, we grow them right outside of our chicken coop. We just take all the bedding and put it right in there. When we're done with that, we add it to our soil and just use it for fertilizer and a, a, little, a little extra boost as we're growing things. Man, do you teach classes on this? You should. 
<laughs> I I did for a couple of years at San Diego Community College. Another trick I use, I, I do edible landscaping in Phoenix and the greater in the valley. And uh, another trick I use and I'm always recommending is culture, which is German for a hill culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way I design cultures is from the ground up, I start with a basin or a trench and I sink logs into it. And those logs are inoculated with mushroom mycelium. And I build up layers of uh, organic material that's been colonized with mycelium. And in the end, you have very rich, spongy mound that you can plant in. I've seen incredible results with this kind of bed and they need very little water and they were food and they really outperform conventional planting styles. Oh, I'll bet they do when they're full of all that mycological life, shall we call it. So absolutely everything you've proposed so far, I guess the uh, kitchen compost is pretty simple, but this whole Hugo culture thing is, uh, you know, it seems maybe a little bit complicated, uh, how can people simply grow mushrooms at home? Well, there's a lot of great information online, and it's totally accessible to all sorts of people. Things that are going to be a big help are going to be cleanliness, attention to detail, and time. But like I said, I started doing this as a college student, so not all of that was available to me, mm-hmm. and I've done pretty well. So probably the best way to get started would be to look online, do a search for how to grow mushrooms and there'll be a lot of good information on that. Paul Stamet is the author of several great books and if you check out any of those at your local library or on his website Fungi Perfecti, that would behoove you. If you want to start from spores, you'll need to invest in a pressure cooker and buy some rye grain or bird seed. A lot of people use mason jars with inoculation ports built into them and you can find information on on that online. It's more of a complicated process. If you want to just buy spawn and use that to grow on coffee grounds, for example, like you can just buy spawn from online or from me. You can check out my website at eatthisaz.com. That's my landscaping service webpage. And on the bottom, there's a link to where you can buy some, where you can buy mushroom spawns. And that, that would be get, go a long way to getting you started, and you can contact me there if you need any more info. Nice. Eatthisaz.com. <laughs> I love it. So what about this concept of inoculating your landscape with mushrooms? How does one go about doing that? So finding things in your landscape that are breaking down and adding m- mushrooms to that process I've had the most success uh, just keeping an eye out for opportunities like that. When I taught at Chandler Gilbert Community College, I had a special projects class that was learning how to grow mushrooms. We did lab work. And one of the projects that I had the students do was to go out into the community garden and find all these different uses for mushrooms. And we had logs that were breaking down. We had mesquite trees that were dropping leaves and drying up and those would rot away. And so we we had a lot of success just taking these things that were already available to us and inoculating them with spawn. It's the same principle as with coffee grounds or with bedding from the chickens and the rabbits. 
just anytime you can find something that's in the process of breaking down, you can add mushrooms to it. It's going to increase the sponginess of that material. It'll increase the yields. It's important for people to be be looking for those opportunities. Yeah. So when you say inoculating, basically get some spawn from you and find a, a suitable place in your yard, which is... You know, you don't want to put it on straight dirt. You'd probably put it on rotting wood or in mulch or in a compost pile and go for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have some five-gallon buckets that uh, I've been dumping my coffee grounds and my straw bedding that I use for the chickens. And I just dump the spawn directly on that, and it just and it grows out. And uh, in a few weeks, when it's fully colonized, mm-hmm. I'll just open that up, and I'll just mix, dump it on the soil and mix it in. I use it to line beds just to give those beds a little bit more insulation. And sometimes when I'm when I open those up, I find a whole bunch of mushrooms and I take those back into my kitchen, chop them up and uh, add them to my dinner. Uh, nice. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. Sure. So uh, lots of opportunity for success and failure when you're growing mushrooms. Uh, when I first started, like I said, I was growing them uh, at home, and I had about a 30% success rate at first because there were lots of opportunities for contamination to get into the process. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that when you see contamination, it's best to move it outside and to get it away from the rest of what you're growing. So I had a lot of success my first uh, couple seasons, and I've been growing for about every season for about 10 years, many uh, growing seasons. Mm -hmm. I think about my third season, I had a a catastrophe. I had a minor infection in one tub that I was growing in, and it spread to to all my other tubs. And I was living uh, in a condo at the time, and so I, I really didn't have a place to put all... So I had these bags of contaminated spawn that were just going out to the dumpster. But, uh... I learned a little bit more about how to keep things clean and how to air it out because, you know, of course, mushrooms breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon yeah. dioxide like humans do. Mm-hmm. They need you to be aired out all the time. I learned those tricks and I have much more success instead of moving to more ambitious projects. So what do you consider your biggest success? Well, like I said, I worked at Chandler Gilbert a few years back and we had a class where a handful of students got involved in uh, what's called a special project. We ended up doing a semester of lab work where we grew mushrooms. We went out to different forests in the state and we collected samples of those and we brought them back into the lab and grew them out on petri dishes. We inoculated logs and organic material and we actually built the first culture bed that I'd seen built in Arizona. And with the intention of it being a no water system, we wanted to use all desert adapted plants and specifically from the areas in, in Africa that don't get very much water. And we, and we built this bed up using hulu culture and everything in there thrives and it gets watered once a season really heavily and it just absorbs all that water. And so that was very exciting. The biggest thrill for me is seeing someone really engaged in something that they, they, a few weeks before they didn't know anything (laughs) about. about. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're, you're kind of inspiring me here. I, I, 
think we need to do mushrooms here as a way to break down compost because, as you know, we get a lot of compost because we collect from three residences in a restaurant here. So, you know, it goes to the soldier flies when we're growing soldier flies. It goes to the worms. It goes to the chickens and goes to the compost pile. But this is just another place that we could be converting yeah, food waste. And, and every- yeah, and every every time you can find a way to do that, it's so important because because food waste is such a big problem in the, in this state and all over the country. Oh yes, that is the case. So, what drives you? Well, in part that you know people need to understand their relation to the landscape and need to understand when how much of their food is just going into landfills. And how and how they can offset them, and how that can benefit them. And I think that's especially the case in Arizona, mm-hmm. where people need to understand how they fit into the landscape. I want to try to be an example and help other people learn to live in and identify with the landscape in that way. Nice. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be, and why? So. Growing Gourmet and, edib- and Medicinal Mushrooms uh, by Paul Stamets uh, is a great book. I have it sitting right I have the third edition sitting right here on my desk as a, as a reference. It's got tons of great information for people just starting out and for experts. So Cool. And one final piece of advice for our listeners? Don't be afraid of your soil. I see so many people who are afraid of mushrooms popping up in their soil. Don't worry. That's a good sign. Never eat a mushroom unless you're entirely sure where it came from. Oh, that's the it's case. Kind of a, it's kind of a golden rule among mycologists because there are so many mushrooms that look alike and can really give you a bad day uh, if you if you eat the wrong one. Well, some so, of them are deadly, I, right? Right, absolutely. So, yeah. so just don't do it. Yeah, grow grow your own mushrooms. Uh, that's one of the nice things about growing your own mushrooms is you know what what's coming up in your yard. So. Oh. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Tom. Of course. Thank you. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Visit my website at www.eatthisaz.com. And that's my landscaping services page. And if you visited, if you visit the bottom of the page, you'll see a button where you can buy mushroom spawn from me. And my contact information is also on that page. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash mushroom Tom. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and every place where podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed 
or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.